welcome to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. Our mission is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus. One of the ways we do that is through the preaching of God's Word, centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's this week's message. I talk pretty loud. We, we, are we on here now? Yeah? Okay, cool. Sorry. Do, do I need to start over or are we good? Yep. Yeah, everybody all right? Hey, online folks, man, love y'all. I've been getting after it, I promise, okay? Uh, you've not heard anything I've said, um, but I've been getting with it. So, let me turn that off. So, uh, so Joseph, <laughs> uh, Joseph um, is daddy's favorite, right? Now, check this out. So, first of all, he tattletales on his brothers. Verse 3, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his own age. So one day Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. Now verse 4, but his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. So we're all getting ready, parents. It's summertime, and we know July's coming. All of us got to get some school clothes for our youngins, right? Can I get an amen from somebody, right? Well, imagine, okay, Joseph goes cruising in uh, to, to J.C. Penney, and, and he, his dad is, he's decking him out in polos, man. My man sneezes polo, right? I mean, he's got the boots, he's got the stuff, and then the rest of the brothers, man, they're rocking the clearance rack all summer long. You get what I'm saying? They've been checking out clearance rack, and so um, you can imagine what that would kind of incite, right? So not only is Joseph dad's favorite, but he's also uh, given him special treatment. Topple that with, he's a little bit of a tattletale. We see in verse 4 that his brothers hated him, right? Because their father um, loved him. Now verse 5, it says, one night Joseph had a dream and he told his brothers about it. They hated him more than ever. He says, listen to this dream. He said, we were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stood up. And all your bundles, uh, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine, right? And so I want to talk about this. And really, um, this starts the story. And again, this story goes through chapter 50. And so what I want you to do is settle in and let me tell you what happens from here, okay? So first of all, there's a dream season. What I mean by that is God gives him this dream where literally he's a piece of wheat, it grows tall, and his family bows down to him. Right now, if we had not taken some time to think about that dream, that sounds pretty awesome, right? Well, like, wouldn't it be awesome if you're kicked back in a palace and your brothers uh, are serving you, right? And so he tells them this: that hey, I've got this dream from God. I'm going to be awesome. I'm more awesome than you are. In fact, I'm so awesome, you're going to be bowed down at my feet, right? Like that just does not go over well. Well, guess what? What his brothers do um, is they they take him out and they throw him into a pit. Right? They're so angry. He goes out to check on them. They throw him into a pit. They take his robe, and they're thinking, well, well what are we going to do to tell our dad? Like Some of them are like, man, let's just get rid of him. And, and some of the brothers are like, no, 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 we can't do that. And so they take his robe, they cut it up, they dip it um, in animal's blood, and they tell their dad, hey, um, your son, I think he's gone. This is all we found. Right? So what we see is there's a dream season, and after God gives this dream, Joseph's about to enter into a season uh, of suffering, all right? And so in this season of suffering, he's thrown into the pit by his brothers. So imagine, now we've all, if you've got siblings, man, they, they can get on your nerves, right? 
But I don't think any of us have gotten to the point where we want to sell our brothers away, just say, I don't want you to be my brother anymore. But this is what Joseph felt, young Joseph. He gets thrown into a pit, and then he's sold to a man named Potiphar, okay? And so Potiphar uh, is an Egyptian man, very wealthy, okay? And Joseph goes to be his slave. Now, I want to read a verse right here, and this is really going to be the theme. So when Joseph gets sold into slavery by his own family, all right, verse 2, chapter 39, verse 2, it says, the Lord was with Joseph. Hear that again. The Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Okay? And so because uh, he was, the Lord was with Joseph, he honored the Lord in what he did, and God gave him uh, great favor. In fact, Potiphar turned everything over uh, to Joseph, right? Like he was second command in Potiphar's house. Well, unfortunately, uh, well, no, fortunate for him, but unfortunate as well, Joseph's a good-looking dude, right? Been doing, been doing his CrossFit, right? Getting up before Potiphar, knocking down some push-ups, okay? Um, I obviously had some good-looking hair, right? They didn't have product back then, so it was all natural. Okay, so listen. Potiphar's wife begins to take notice, right, of this young uh, Israelite boy, and then she begins to hit on him, right? And when I say hit on him, I don't mean it ain't flirty. Like, the, in the original language, it means, I want you now, right? And so could you imagine, day after day, um, him getting, uh, it, it, just getting these advances from this woman. Well, one day, uh, she finally catches him alone, right? And comes into the bedroom, he says, all right, everybody's gone, like, you're, you're mine, right? <laughs> and, uh, and, and so Joseph, in that moment, says, I'm not doing this. He runs out, right? She grabs his cloak, snatches off of him. My man runs out, runs out with no clothes on, and it's like, I'm getting out of this, well, unfortunately, the wife, she's so frustrated by this, she tells Potiphar that he tried to come on to her, uh, and Joseph, who is in charge of all of Potiphar's stuff, now gets thrown in the prison. So this season of suffering is going deeper and deeper and deeper, right? And so um, I want to show you something, though. In the prison, chapter 39, verse 23, Joseph's in the prison. It says, the warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. Look what Joseph's doing in the middle of the suffering season. So what, why, why was he successful? It says, the Lord was with him. Everybody say it with me. The Lord was with him. Say it. The Lord was with Joseph. He, he had not disappeared. He was with Joseph. And it says, and it caused everything he did to succeed. Even in the prison, he was finding success in what he was doing because God was with him. So in that prison, um, he meets a baker and a butler, right? The butler's the cupbearer, the baker for the king. They've evidently done something wrong. They're thrown in prison. And instead of having a pity party, he asks them, like, hey, man, you guys look sad. Tell me what's going on. Well, they tell him what happened, and they say, hey, we've had some dreams. Joseph interprets those dreams. God gives them a special ability to love on these guys, interpret their dreams. And when they leave the prison... Joseph says, hey, if you guys get out of this joint, listen, you need to tell Pharaoh about me. Don't leave me down here. Well, sure enough, the dreams that he interpreted come to pass, and guess what happens? They forget about Joseph. So the suffering season continues. The suffering season continues. And then finally, Joseph is being faithful in the suffering. And then Pharaoh, the top dog, guess what? He has a dream, and no one can interpret it. Right? And so um, Pharaoh, top dog, uh, hears that. The cupbearer says, oh, wait, 
And I'm thinking, man, how, when I got out of prison, that cupbearer and me, we'd have some words. You hear me? Right? The cupbearer's like, oh, wait. Hey, look, dude, guess what? Man, there's a dude in your prison. He's writing down there. Dang, I hate I forgot about him. But listen, he can interpret your dreams. And so he goes up. Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dreams in the dream. Um, it, it's seven cows eating, seven fat cows eating, seven skinny cows. He says, listen, we're about to get seven years of, like, everything. That, you know that rain we had yesterday, minus all the lightning and the bad stuff? Like, it's about the rain, right? And our crops are going to grow, and it's going to be seven years of awesomeness. But after that, man, it's going to be a great famine, okay? And so Joseph comes up, he shares this, and Pharaoh is so... Uh, moved by Joseph, he begins to bring Joseph out of the prison, and in time, he makes him second in command of all of Egypt. The suffering season is over, and now it's a time of breakthrough. So hear that again. We've seen three seasons, a time of dream and vision, a time of suffering, right, and now a season of breakthrough. Well, during the lean years, if I could fast forward a little bit, Joseph, who was sold into slavery by his brothers, um, who was thrown into a pit, who has stayed in the prison because he was forgotten about, he is now the number two dude in the most powerful nation like in the world. He is literally like the second most powerful guy uh, in, in Egypt. And so during the years of famine... Uh, people are coming looking for grain. They're, they're needing food. And up one day walks his brothers. All right? And so now he's not in a pit anymore where they're looking down at him. But now he's in a palace in Egypt. And his brothers come and they don't recognize him. Probably because y'all ever seen movies with the Jesus? They got the snake head thing going on. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So he probably had to make up the eye. Man, I bet mascara was worth some money back then, right? I mean, they... You ever seen Egyptian guys? So he's rocking the mascara, most likely. He's got the snake head thing going on, and and he doesn't. Uh, they don't recognize him. When time Joseph reveals himself, and what he does is brings them in and saves them from this famine, and invites his father and all his family into the palace. And what Alex just read is that he decides to forgive them. Okay, and so in a snapshot, that is the story uh, of Joseph, right? And at the, let me just say this, at the last part, when what Alex read to us, um, his father has now died, and the brothers are thinking, surely now he's about to pay us back, right? Surely now he's about to give us what's coming to us. And he says, no, 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 no. What you guys meant for evil, God meant, to good, meant for good, and I'm here to save people, right? So I want to break this down into three questions. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Number one, what can we learn about dreams and visions, Right? What can we learn about dreams and visions? The first question I would have, is vision biblical, right? Like, is it biblical that, that to have dreams or to, to have this vision of like, you feel like God's prompting you to something, but you don't, you don't quite know how it makes sense? Well, well, first of all, I want to let you know, Proverbs 29, 18 says this. Um, it, it says, when people do not accept divine guidance, right? Other translations say divine revelation or just vision. Right? So there's a need for vision. There's a need um, for, for godly vision. It says when people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. Other versions say they cast off restraint. But whoever obeys the law is joyful. And so what it's saying is there's a need for godly vision, for people to raise up and to have uh, things in front of them that God wants them to do. I'll give you an example, okay? Uh, my wife, at a very young age, Felt like the Lord was going to uh, bring her a husband, that they would do ministry together, and she had dreams about adoption, right? 
And man, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, when I walked in the door, I'm sure those dreams were shattered, right? And God, this ain't it. No, no, this ain't it, right? And, uh, and I had no aspirations for that. But she was sharing with me of like, I really felt strongly the Lord said I would marry a pastor. And uh, man, God had a, a rough set of Play-Doh to start with when he came with me. And, uh, but I remember over time, you know, I was invited to, when I was teaching over here, I was invited to be a youth pastor at a small church. And, and I was like, man, I, ain't, I don't think I'm ready to do that. Um, but little things started happening in my life that God began to bring this dream of hers. It wasn't my dream. Man, I just wanted to win wrestling matches, get my summers off because I was a teacher, make some money, build a house, and then um, go to heaven, right? Like that was it. But God began to reshape that, and he began to cultivate it. But listen, I want everybody to lean in right here. It took time for the dream to come to fruition, right? It took time and maturity for that dream to come to fruition. And you know what? God brought the pastoral thing. Probably, she probably thought I would be uh, like a pastor, a youth pastor, an established church. Well, well, God raised us up to be a church planner, to be church planners. Uh, and then also she probably thought adoption like little kids. Uh, and in on a, all on a Monday, we had an 18- and 16-year-old come into our home, right? So the dream might not take shape fully. You may have an impression, but God's going to bring it to fruition. Does that make sense? And I'll tell you this about vision from God. Um, He'll do it in his time and in his way. And usually it's not going to look like the way you thought it would look, right? So how do we apply this? Maybe some of you, you feel like God's been prompting you to do something. Start a small group. Reach out to someone in your neighborhood. Um, Start doing something with prayer. Right? Maybe doing something with kids, whatever that vision looks like. I want to give you a little instruction here. Vision from the Lord always aligns with God's word. Take that with you. If any personal vision has anything going forth that does not align with God's heart and God's word, I love you, man, but that's not of the Lord. Right? And there's many people that are chasing visions. And what's happening in those visions is they are on the throne and there are people serving them. And that's not, that's not vision from God. See, Jesus showed us the model of that. And godly vision always puts us in a posture of surrender and service. Godly vision always puts us more and more like Jesus and aligns with God's word. Secondly is this. Like I said, vision from the Lord doesn't put us on the throne. It embraces that Jesus is on the throne. Hear that again. Godly vision does not put us on the throne, but godly vision embraces that Jesus is on the throne and my life is to align with who he is and what he says we are to do. Thirdly, vision. Vision requires wisdom and maturity. Because see, here's the deal, right? That dream that God gave Joseph when he was young, it was from the Lord, right? And all it was was a stock that was going high and and stocks around him that were bowing down. But listen, instead of waiting and praying and giving some wisdom to that, what did he do? God gave him vision and he blurted it out. He just said it. And I'm going to tell you, I've never met a wise person that talks a lot. I've never met a wise person that talks a lot about themselves. Hear that again. So what do we see? That vision requires wisdom and maturity, right? And that him blurting out what God had told him to do uh, got him in the pit, right? And incited these brothers. And there was probably a prideful spirit about that of like, hey, I'm great. I'm going to be great. God's told me I'm going to be great. I need you guys to come help me be great. That's not godly vision, right? It takes wisdom and maturity. And listen, I want everybody to lean in. It's always a process. And last thing, his vision will always end up with you looking more like Jesus and making disciples. Hear that again. 
His vision will always end up with you looking more like Jesus and making disciples. Let me ask a question. Where is God calling you to align with his vision? And what is the next step he's given you to do? Because some of you have been waiting to start and do stuff for six months. And I'm telling you, um, some of you may have been waiting to start it for six years. But if God's prompting you today and it advances the kingdom, it glorifies God, I encourage you to take your next step, brother and sister. You guys with me today? Here we go. The gospel spear is not a preacher up and people listening. No, the tip of the gospel spear are ordinary people receiving Jesus and walking into their calling to fulfill his mission to the ends of the earth. Right? We are the church and we are the tip of the gospel spear. Not a preacher, but people. Right? The people of God that know Christ. Amen? I mean, you guys tracking with me today? You better wake up now. Hey, talk back to me. I'm going to talk a lot to you for a long time. All right? Second thing I want you to see, what can we learn about suffering? Write that down. What can we learn about suffering? So he gets wisdom, not wisdom, sorry. He gets vision, dreams from God that, that looks so good. And the very next scene, he's thrown into a pit. Very next scene, he's thrown into a prison. Next scene, he's stuck in a prison. Scene before that, he was sold into slavery. So it goes pit, slavery, prison. And then he was forgotten about in that prison. Now, wouldn't you guys think, He's like, Lord, what, what in the world? You know what I mean? Like, what, what, are you, what could you possibly be doing right now? What could you be doing with me? I'm going to give you three instructions we learned from Joseph. Number one, Joseph suffered in preparation. Hear that again. Joseph suffered in preparation. Psalm 139.7. I want you guys to read this, okay? Um, we can never escape from your spirit. He says, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. What I want you to know is, is the presence of God is everywhere. And I believe Joseph had to understand that God was with him uh, in the pit. God was with him in the prison and God was with him in the palace, right? That God's presence was with him everywhere he went. Understand what I want you to know is no matter where you've come from in life, where you come into this place today, God knows you and he's always been with you. His presence is um, it's called omnipresence. That means he's everywhere. Every hurt you've gone through, he knows it. Every struggle, every sin, every victory, he knows it. His presence is everywhere. And so Joseph had to embrace that. And I just want to ask you this question. How would your life be different if you believed God was with you everywhere you went? How would your life look different? How would your life be different? And see, what I believe Joseph understood, he understood that God was with him in the pit and in the prison as much as he was in the palace. Hear that again. He had to embrace that God was with him in the pit. God was with him in the prison as much as he was in the palace. Now, I'm going to teach you something about preaching God's word today. Okay? The prison isn't fun to preach on. Right? Like, you'll draw a crowd promising people the palace, right? But you love people well by equipping them for the prisons of life. Hear that one more time. We'll draw a crowd talking about the palace, but God wants to do his best work when we're going through the seasons in the prison when we're suffering. That's when he's turning up a good work in us, brother and sister. But isn't suffering hard? Isn't it so difficult when we go through those times where, where we're going through stuff? Now, let me say something about suffering, okay? Sometimes we bring on that suffering through our own decisions because God's given us a clear pathway of how he designed us to live. And when we live outside of that design, it's going to lead to suffering and not the kind uh, that God induces, but the kind we induce because of what we're doing, right? Now, I'm talking about godly suffering in that, 
man, we're going through stuff and we don't even know why. Like, God, why are, why are you putting me through this difficulty? Why am I going through this difficult season? Tony Evans had a quote that I thought was well, so good. How do I suffer well? He said that living with God's presence in the middle of a jail offers a truer freedom than living without God anywhere else. He said living with God in a jail is a truer freedom than living anywhere else without God. See, a lot of times God's doing his best work in our lives in the pits and the prisons. And see, this is why I say it's in his work in the pits and the prisons, because a lot of times in the pits and the prisons, he's preparing you to step into the palace, right? He's preparing you for breakthrough seasons and encourage you to stay with me, stay with me, that it won't always be this way, but you will break through and there will be something different. I know in my own life, through my own suffering, that it seemed like I was never going to get out. There was never going to be another season. This is just what it is now. This is just something I've got to sit in. I want to tell you, man, whether on this side of turning or the other, there is hope for you and God will bring you out of your season if you'll let him. Because see, here's the deal. If we're in Christ, we're already guaranteed heaven. There's a palace waiting. And listen, don't get that palace confused for chasing a palace here that you're going to have to give away when you pass on. Like we're promised a palace there when we're in Christ, that the palace is waiting for those that know Jesus. But what I want you to know, and I want you to see this, and we're about to talk about it, is that God still had purpose for Joseph in the prison. He had purpose for Joseph in the prison. And so I want you to know God's purposes remain the same no matter if we're in the prison or the palace. Second thing I want you to see, Joseph suffered with perseverance. Joseph suffered with perseverance. See, Joseph demonstrated what it looked like to walk by faith. First thing we see in here, he served well with Potiphar, right? Like I would have been throwing a pity party. Think about it. Like he's a slave to Potiphar. He could have just been kicking rocks out there, not working hard, not serving anyone, not loving people, showing up late to work, not being anywhere on time. He could have just kicked rocks. But no, what was he doing? He was honoring Potiphar and being a, a, a good servant, right? And so what do we see is that he was walking by faith. He believed that it was godly. The word of God says to honor God and to honor leadership, to serve well. But see, here's the thing, and I, I'm just going to be honest with you. Isn't it so much easier to fall into sin and run from God when we're tired and frustrated? Is that anybody else? How easy would it have been for him, this situation of Potiphar's wife? Probably no one would have found out. If she really wanted him that bad, she wasn't going to tell anybody. You know, how easy would it have been to say, you know what, I deserve this. God's forgotten about me. I know this is going to break his heart. I know this is going to hurt my leader. I know this is not right you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just dive into this. Because, see, I know when, when, when sin's at our door, that's how sin attacks us. You, you, listen, you're okay, you can do this. You deserve this. It's, look how difficult it is. God's forgotten about you. That's how the enemy works, right? But what did Joseph do, man? He was going to do right regardless of what was going on and where he was. So I want you to know this. Regardless of where you find yourself, the purpose is still to execute God's plan. And God's plan is that we would walk and live by faith in a way that honors him. That's whether we're in a difficult season or the best season of our lives. See, he was faithful in every season. Let's talk about this. So he, got, he, got, he did the right thing and did got, got messed up, right? He did the right thing and was thrown in prison. Now, if I, I'm, I mean, probably most of us, we're mad at God at this point. 
Like literally, God, I abstained from this sin, ran out of it, and it cost me a trip to the prison. Like what is going on? But what do we see? Where most of us would probably be kicking rocks and, you know, just pity partying in the jail cell. It says in the Bible that the baker, they looked sad. And Joseph said, hey guys, what's the matter? He was loving and caring for people even in the prison. He was being faithful, right? It would have been easy to have a pity party and to give up, right? And see, but Joseph understood God's sovereignty. I want to read Romans 8, 28 and 29 with you right here. It'll be on the screen. It says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Now, verse 29, that's what I want you to know. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son. Now, check this out. Everything that's going on in our life, no matter good, bad, indifferent, understand that the ultimate purpose is that God would conform us into the image of Jesus. And listen, he chose you to do that work in Christ and so that his son would be the firstborn of many brothers and sisters. Listen, if you're going through it, it may be terrible. And listen, people may be doing evil to you. Some of you, man, God has, man, man you, have, you have experienced evil from people, a kind of evil that, that is unspeakable. And I want you to know something. Hear this. God did not do that to you. Unfortunately, we live in a sinful world with people that are sinful and do egregious evil acts. But what I want you to know in suffering is God is with you and he is redemptive in that suffering. What that means is, is he did not cause it, but he'll always use it, right? He'll always use it. He did not cause it, but he'll always use it. And so what did he understand? He understand that I'm just going to be faithful no matter where I go, no matter where I'm sent. Third thing I want you to see about Joseph and suffering. Joseph suffered with perspective. I want you to read Genesis 50, 20 with me. It'll be on the screen. It says this. It says, you intended to harm me. He's talking to his people. Listen, some, if you've been hurt, man, I'm not asking you to forget it. I'm not asking you to, to no. Some of that, man, what happened to you is wrong, and I want to affirm that. I want you to hear that from me. What has happened to you is wrong. But listen to his perspective, because them throw him in the pit. I don't care what he did. I don't care how good his polos looked. No, he didn't deserve that. But God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Joseph suffered with perspective. Joseph believed God was with him even when it was difficult. See, a lot of times we want to be selected by God, and God selected Joseph to come up into Egypt and to save his family, to save the Egyptians, to save people. That's why God wrote, brought him up, is to save people. And oftentimes, people think when God calls someone, he's going to call them to a platform. But J.D. Greer says it like this. He doesn't call people to a platform that he's going to use. He calls them to an altar. He calls them to service. He calls them to a place to go through some stuff so that we can be more like Jesus and help people come to faith in Jesus. I'm telling you, suffering is necessary to become like Christ. Man, I don't know how else to say it, but um, like that's the part of it. Because see, suffering is a part of God's plan of salvation. Joseph suffered so he could save his family and the people of Egypt. Our Savior Jesus suffered on the cross so he could save us from our sin. Suffering is a part of God's plan of salvation. He demonstrates it in Christ. So I, I want to ask you something. How would your life look different 
if you believe God was with you and has been with you at every step. Listen to that. I want you to really meditate on that. Of right now, what if you believe that? What if you believe God was with you? He has a plan for you. He has not forgotten you. And whatever you're walking through, okay, God is with you. And he has a plan to use you. Now, I'm going to share a story, and I've wrestled with this, and I, I talked with Carly, and, you know, man, when God gives us a story, like of our lives, it's so easy to cover up the, the tough parts and just give you the good parts, right? It's so easy to want people to see us as all together and good and right. And God, God, I, I literally got to uh, experience some of this. For those that don't know, um, I went through about a year, a season of suffering, and, uh, and in that season, the best way I could say it is I was doing ministry really fast, really, really fast, too fast, um, and really just got to the point where I mentally, spiritually, physically just began to break down, um, went through some deep spiritual warfare, some deep things that, that I didn't really know how to deal with in my life. And anyway, I, I say all that to say of I ended up where uh, I began to get involved with, with Christian counseling, mental health stuff. And man, it was the time in my life where I would ask God in that season, like, Lord, what are you doing? Like, how am I, why am I here? You know what I mean? And I would go into places and think like, Lord, Lord, I'm not supposed to be here. You know, I've never had any, any bouts with mental health, depression, none of that. Like, what, what are you, what are you doing with me here? And uh, one evening I was in a, in a, in a place getting ready for a session and, and I was just sitting there, it was just me and another guy, right? And I was just crying. And I had my Bible on my chest, and I was just crying. And I'm like, God, like, why, why, are, what are you doing here? And I'm telling you, as clear as day, the Holy Spirit said and ministered to me, and God, I felt like he impressed it on my heart. He said, will you, will you take me with you wherever I send you? And, um, and so I am wrestling with that of like, okay, what does that mean? I looked to this guy, and you know, I'm not looking to make best friends in these places, right? You know what I'm saying? You don't know what they do. You don't know what's going on, right? But, but heck, I was there too. So anyway, um, and so I gave this guy a Bible, and I just told him, I said, man, I, I don't know what this means. I just want you to know Jesus loves you. I'm a pastor and going through some stuff too. And I, I just felt like I was faithful in that moment. God said, just will you take me with you wherever I send you? Well, by the grace of God, that season ended, y'all. Man, there was a season of breakthrough. God began to put me back together. And, uh, and honestly, I feel more equipped as a pastor because I went through that, a better perspective of how to do ministry in a way that loves you guys as best I can. And most of all, glorifies God from a posture of gratitude, of um, just loving him for what he's done. But anyway, we had come out of that season. Carly, my wife, was singing. And... Um, and it got to the end of the service, and she was singing uh, Waymaker. And, and during the service, I was preaching, and, and I just knew there were people there that needed to, that needed to hear the love of Christ. And I, I just I knew, like, people were going to get saved. People were going to make decisions to follow Jesus. And, and, uh, and I got done preaching, and three people came to faith. So I was just like, yes, Lord. Well, I got down, and I sat right there. And Carly got up, and she just started singing Waymaker, right? And, and, and there's a chorus, there's a part of that song where it says, Lord, even when I can't see it, you're working. Even when I can't feel it, you're working. And, um, and we got done, and, and uh, again, this facility was not in Dublin or whatever, and, and we were just kind of hanging out. And there was a man that came back, and he was one of the guys that made a decision for Jesus. 
And, uh, and I looked at him, I said, man, I know that guy. What, where, where is this guy? And I'm telling you, like a ton of bricks, it hit me. This was the man I met in that facility. And how he ended up here, I'll never know. I don't know where he's at now. But the Lord brought him here, and he made a decision for Christ. And it was the very man I got to minister to in the prison of my life. And what God was showing me is this, and I want everyone to be encouraged with this. No matter where he sends you or whatever you're you're going through, God has a purpose with you. Because see, here's the deal. Our God is good. He is faithful. He's redemptive. No matter if you're in the pit, no matter if you're in the prison, and no matter if God brings you out in the palace, the purpose is the same. To love God, to listen to his voice, to share the love of Jesus, and make disciples. And I want to encourage you with that. Of he, he, I got the opportunity to see that. And I'm just so grateful. And I know, man, just being honest, like that's not super comfortable, but I've just come to the place in my life where I don't, I don't want to cover up. You know, I just want to be honest about who God is, what he's done, and what he's doing. If I can encourage you with this, okay? Church can be a place where you come and you conceal your stuff and bring your best and just conceal what's really going on. But what we begin to learn in Scripture is the stuff you're wanting to cover up is the very stuff God's wanting to redeem and the very stuff he's wanting to use so that you can reach people for the kingdom. So if you came in today, man, covering up, listen, bring it to Jesus and watch him redeem and restore. Right? I'm telling you, he wants to. And what do we see? Sometimes our greatest pains lead to our greatest victories. Sometimes our greatest pains lead to our greatest victories. Third thing I want you to see about Joseph. What can we learn about forgiveness? He was betrayed. He was betrayed by his brothers. He was betrayed. He, was, he, was, uh, he, he went through the unimaginable with his brothers. Like, what can we learn about this? Well, understand Forgiveness is about seeing God correctly. See, Joseph saw God was sovereign in his story. Second thing I want you to see, forgiveness is about seeing sin correctly. Right? What that means is, is Joseph began to understand the very same problem that caused his brothers to throw him into the pit is the very same problem that he had to fight to follow God. But see, here's the deal. So many times we get frustrated with the sins of others that it consumes us. And what we do is we put on the back burner what God's wanting to do in us, right? And I just want to say a comment real quick um, is this. Uh, if the sins of others carry more weight than the sins of your own, you need to refocus your eyes on Jesus. If the sins of others carry more weight than the sins of your own, we need to put our eyes on Jesus. Because when we see that, what we begin to see is Jesus correctly. Forgiveness is about seeing Jesus correctly. Look, what I want you to see in this story, okay, is that we have a holy God who we've offended far more than anyone could ever offend us. We have a God who's holy, who's perfect, who's just, and and he has a a plan for us and a way to do life. But what happens is we want to do life our own way. We run from him. We sin. We do things that have broken the heart of God, right? And see, what God did is this, is he came to us and did something for us we could never do for ourselves. He sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins. And what he did is the punishment we deserved, For our sin, he poured it out on his son who was perfect and blameless and did not do anything to offend anyone. He came to save everyone and yet was met on a criminal's cross paying for the sins of the world, your sins and my sins. 
And really the story of today is this. The goal is not for you to become more like Joseph. The goal is not for me to become more like Joseph. That's not the goal for today. The goal is for you to see Jesus in Joseph's story. Hear that again. It's for you to see Jesus in Joseph's story. We say, well, how can we see Jesus? Well, Joseph was a beloved son. Jesus was God's beloved son. Joseph was a suffering servant. Jesus came as a suffering servant. Joseph was the exalted prince. Jesus was the exalted king of kings. Joseph was the savior of his family. God brought him through suffering to bring him out of suffering to save his family and to save Egypt. Let me tell you, Jesus went through suffering on the cross to save his family. And you want to know who his family is? That are the people of God that hear the gospel that say, Jesus, I cannot undo my sin. I believe you are who you say you are. Jesus, I need you to save me from my sin. And when that happens, we are adopted into the family of God. Jesus came to be the Savior of us and our family, the family of God. And I really believe if you struggle with forgiveness, we'll never forgive others until we understand how we've been forgiven through Jesus. So I ask you today as we get ready to close, where are you? Today, man, and I just, one of the things that, that God, we were talking about in the prayer room is that God is reconciling families. And I don't know what that means to you or you guys, but I just really sense that. This whole series has been about the word of God getting in the households. And maybe there's some forgiveness that needs to take place. For some, man, you're going through suffering. I've been in suffering. I just want you to know, man, God is with you. And you do not have to suffer alone. God wants to meet you where you are. We as a church want to walk with you in suffering. And though it doesn't look like you can understand what's happening, God, has, God is going to do something. He has not forgotten about you. Hang in there, trust him. And for those that, that, that don't know Jesus, maybe what you need is forgiveness. You've never trusted Jesus as Lord. You've never been saved. And today, you, maybe you just didn't even know if there was a God or not. And this, this service has brought you to the place where you know. And man, I, I just want to encourage you, don't walk out of here without giving your life to Christ. He'll meet you where you are and he'll forgive you of the sins you've struggled with. That he does something for us we could never do for ourselves, okay? So I I plan on us doing business with God as a church. I really sense him. He's here today and wanting to do work in our lives. So I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna offer the opportunity for salvation and then we're gonna worship Jesus, amen? Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, thank you for these men and women. Thank you for your word, your work in this place. God, I just want to offer the opportunity right now. If there's anyone here, you say, hey, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, but that changes today. I'm going to be honest about where I am and my sin, and, and I need a relationship with Jesus, and I, I want to trust him as Lord and Savior. If that's you here today, would you just lift your hand? Is that anyone here today? I'll give you guys just a moment. Is that anyone here? Say, today is the day of salvation. Amen. For the rest of us, Lord, I pray right now that we would worship you in spirit and in truth, God. We love you, God, whether it's forgiveness, suffering, or vision. God, I pray that we would come and pray if we're led to pray. And God, we would worship you well, that you are a way maker. And God, you would make a way for us right where we are, Jesus. In your name, amen. Amen. Love you guys.
Thanks for tuning in to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. We pray that this message stirred your affections for Jesus. We would love for you to subscribe to the podcast and share it with others. For more information about our church and other resources, please visit ConnectionDublin.com.